When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Josh Allen playing God-level football right now. When Josh Allen was born, he was born to be the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. It's like tackling George Kittle. Yeah. Yep. Let's go! Let's finish! Snap, gonna keep it himself, runs left side, has room. Oh my God. Touchdown, Buffalo! Josh Allen, he fooled everyone! I just don't think he goes into the game thinking, there is not a single play that I can't make. Let's go! It's a huge week in the NFL as training camps begin across the league. And Josh Allen and the Bills need one thing to find success at the Super Bowl level. We'll tell you what that is. In Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence showed us the good, bad, and head-scratching last year. Someone here has a formula Doug Peterson can use to make Lawrence shine consistently. That's the key. And Devontae Adams called Derek Carr a Hall of Famer. Then he had to walk it back. We'll bring you all that and explain it. Welcome to NFL Live. We're less than 24 hours from every single team across the league arriving at camp. We made it through the offseason. Everyone can take a deep breath. Mina Kimes, Tim Hasselbeck, Diana Rossini here with you for the next 60 minutes. And we start things off in Buffalo. So let's go there now with Vaughn Miller heading to the Bills and immediately providing a significant boost for this defense. One of the many reasons this team is a no-brainer pick for a lot of people to win the Super Bowl. We saw Miller's impact on the field when it mattered most for the Rams last year. But how about what he brings to the table outside of that? He spoke to the media yesterday. All Super Bowl teams, you know, they have similarities and success leaves clues. And as long as we just as long as we just keep chipping away at it, you know, I, I feel like uh, we, we'll be okay. Whenever I can interject, you know, some of my knowledge and some of my wisdom, or if I can see something where I could, you know, put my two cents in, I'll do it. But I'm not a, I'm not a preachy, rah-rah guy. You know, I'm, I'm coming out trying to make my plays and trying to get my job done. And whenever it's time for Von Miller to, to talk, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to do it. The Bills added Miller to a defense that was already one of the best in the NFL. Buffalo's defense led the league in points per game, yards per play, and QBR allowed last season. They also pressured opposing quarterbacks at the second highest rate in the league. And this was despite the fact that star cornerback Tredavious White, of course, tore his ACL in Week 12 and missed the remainder of the season. You wonder how some of those things down the postseason stretch would have gone if White had been healthy. So, Mina, when you look at this Bills defense, what's the biggest question you have entering the season? Well, it's the Bills, so it's it's a baby question because we're really picking nits. We're trying to uh, find issues with this roster. Um, but the question is cornerback. I think the pass rush is going to be even better with Von Miller and uh, with Tredavious White, you know, still out with an injury, supposed to return on time. Uh, you look to the rookie, Kyrie Elam, out of Florida, first-round pick this year, and ask, is he going to be called into action week one against not a team you want to be called into action against the Los Angeles Rams? Uh, you know, I'm not terribly concerned, though, assuming White's not out for an extended period of time because you alluded to him uh, getting hurt last year, week 12. After that, the opposing QBR of uh, quarterbacks that they faced dropped from lowest. 
league to third lowest in the league. Some of that is due to the outstanding play of his replacements. Levi Wallace, who's now gone with Pittsburgh. Dane Jackson will probably play immediately. Uh, but it's also because of the pass rush, which you mentioned is one of the best in the NFL, one of the deepest in the NFL, of course, helps out in coverage. And then the fact that this, ha- this team has, I believe, the best safety duo in the league. And the way they play coverage, I think it allows them to protect the cornerback play a lot. So as long as Mike's not hurt for too long, I'm not too worried. Mm. Yeah, Mina, I want to circle back to Tredavious White, right? So I can't really explain. I almost can't even put into words the impact he has had on this defense, not just on the field, but off the field. He is a clear team leader. So where he's at now, he started off camp on the pup list, and head coach Sean McDermott says he's right on schedule. He's rehabbing and working really hard to try to get back. And, guys, you know with ACLs, everyone's really different with how they bounce back from it. Some come back really early. Some takes a little bit of time. But for them, they said the trainers are telling the Bills front office that they're right on schedule. Things are looking good. So they certainly want him back. But in the meantime, of course, all the headlines up in Buffalo right now are the fact that Von Miller is part of this team. He's trying to be just the first player ever to win three Super Bowls to three different teams. And, you know, you take a look about back when he was with the Rams and how happy and how much he enjoyed being there. He has said he now wants to be sort of that cherry on top of this Sunday in Buffalo of trying to win a Super Bowl, to put them over the edge to be that guy. And I know I spoke with some members of this coaching staff who told me, really, as much as he's a fantastic player, we could, we, we could talk about that uh, all show long, a lot of it is just the presence of Von Miller with those young pass rushers as he's going to continue to coach and and teach them and, and, and get them ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, Diana, that's like one of the fanciest cherries on top you could ever get. It's a really high-class cherry. All right, Josh <laughs> Allen also addressed the media yesterday. He was asked about the lofty expectations for the team this season. Listen to this. We're a new team. We're a different team. You know, we know that. We understand that. We've got new pieces. We've got a a new offensive coordinator, um, we've got a new mindset. So again, just trying to find what we are, what our identity is, that's that's really what training camp is for. And there's no higher expectations than what we have for ourselves in the locker room. And again, I think if you're a team that doesn't have Super Bowl or nothing you know, in your minds, I don't think that you're doing it the right way. Obviously that's, that's the main goal is to win world championships and um, we gotta find a way to get it done. But again, it starts with week one. So Mina said this really well earlier with the Bills. It's like you are picking nits here, but that's what we're doing because they are a contender to win the Super Bowl. So, Tim, for as high as the expectations are, and the Bills just talked Mm -hmm. about it there, what's one thing you want to see change on the offense this year? Well, I actually think this is a big thing for their offense, Lauren. It would be just create more balance and get more production in the run game out of people other than Josh Allen. You know, it's why they drafted James Cook in the second round, the running back out of Georgia. But the reality is when you look at the last two seasons uh, for the Buffalo Bills and their offense, it's been awesome. And Josh Allen's been the reason why. Uh, Explosive plays, he's run the football well. But on eight different occasions, he's been the leading ball carrier. I mean, most rush attempts in games for the Bills. You can't do that. That's second to only Lamar Jackson. And I think we would all agree that those offenses are drastically different. They're depending way too much on Josh Allen in the run game. And so I think in fairness to him in the passing game, some help in the run game would go a long way. And also quite honestly, ends up helping them playing games where they envision playing games in the postseason in Buffalo, where you know that type of football certainly travels.
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Tim. And it's obviously what defenses want them to do is run the ball. They got a lot of the same looks as the Kansas City Chiefs last year with uh, uh, defenses sitting back in those two high shell looks. And much like the Kansas City Chiefs, at times they struggled against that. But you saw offensive coordinator Brian Dable make some adjustments as the year went on, started using the tight ends and the fullback more. Uh, and I think Josh Allen was part of that. But you're right in that he shouldn't be the only answer in running the football. And I think that's something they're going to look to, whether it's with Cook or bringing in O.J. Howard as an extra tight end more often at the beginning of the season. Yeah, having covered Cook a lot in college, I think Bills fans should be really excited about what he brings to the table. He's a really electric running back and fits nicely in that offense. Let's go to Tampa Bay, another running back. Leonard Fournette is back in the fold, ready to go for another year with Tom Brady and the veteran Fournette, an example of a player Brady sought out to rejoin him. In fact, earlier this offseason, Fournette told Rich Eisen the story of how Brady helped bring him back to Tampa. I just went around shopping, you know, see what, what teams had in store for me. And when I, I went up to New England, he texted me. He's like, man, what you doing up there? <laughs> man, just shopping around, trying to see what's good for me. <laughs> trying to see what's available for me and myself, you know, to provide for my family. And he was like, man, I'll call you back. I'll call you back. So next thing you know, Tabo called me with, a, with an offer. Yeah, that's what Tom Brady can do. Okay, so the good news, Brady and Fournette back together in Tampa. But the bad news might be the reports that Leonard Fournette showed up to camp looking like that. I'm just kidding. He did this himself. Uh, They're saying he showed up overweight. He poked fun at that reporting with a Photoshop tweet over the weekend. He said, camp in two days. Love y'all. I'm off. All right, Diana, all jokes aside, how do you read the situation with Fournette? Oh, Tom Brady just has so much juice. That story is awesome. And and the, the answer to your question actually is what Fournette just shared, which was Tom Brady called me. In other words, Tom Brady recruited me, right? So Leonard Fournette is not going to be a problem once the start of the season gets here and he has to play in a game. His weight won't be an issue. He'll get in shape. He's not going to, to al- allow his body to be unfit knowing who the quarterback is and knowing what he demands from him. So that story is the reason why I have zero concerns about Leonard Burnett come week one. And maybe after some avocado toast, he'll be in shape and it won't be an issue you know, from Brady. Maybe that's the deal. Listen, I... I People need to understand, like, the offseason, some guys take it easy in the offseason. I play with a bunch of guys. I mean, Tiki Barber had a hard time passing the conditioning test at the Giants. But when it came to the regular season starting, like, it didn't matter. You could handle the ball, you know, 25 times. And I think that would be a similar case for Leonard Fournette. There's never really been a point in his career where he's not been ready. And his time in Tampa, quite frankly, he's been outstanding. And I think in some ways he's probably been – Everything they expected him to be and more because he's run the ball, you know, with power, which they probably could expect. But they also haven't had to take him off the field where I think some people maybe thought that they would have to in passing down. So, look, I think, uh, you know, playoff Lenny emerged and I think we'll see a healthy and ready Leonard Fournette when the season begins. Yeah, and I think it's important uh, for the Bucks, especially as we pay attention to Chris Godwin's injury status, um, you know, that Tom Brady has him as an outlet in the passing game. We all know that's such an important um, facet for Tom Brady, uh, both in New England and now in Tampa. And while I like the rookie running back they drafted, who I think could be useful on third down, Rashad White, uh, you know, another thing with Tom Brady is it takes him a while 
the trust back, especially if they drop the ball once or twice. I think just seeing him develop that trust with Leonard Fournette as their primary back and pass catching back over the course of last season is a big part of why Brady made that call that Diana referred to. Yeah, the report, just so you know, was that Leonard Fournette came in 30 pounds overweight. We'll see how he ends up figuring all that out. He had 69 receptions last season, third most in the NFL among running backs, to Mina's point. To some news now, Deshaun Watson arrived at Browns camp as the wait continues on the NFL's decision about disciplining the quarterback. 24 women sued Watson, claiming sexual misconduct during massage sessions, and Watson settled 20 of the 24 lawsuits last month. The NFL's disciplinary hearing for Watson ended June 30th, and federal judge Sue L. Robinson is expected to hand down a decision soon after presiding over the hearing. Let's go to Jake Trotter. He covers the Browns for ESPN out there at camp. And, Jake, what is the team expecting in terms of the Watson situation at this point? Laura, by the way, we just saw Deshaun Watson cross the street behind me into the building to my right for a photo shoot leading into training camp. Uh, you know, speaking to people in the building behind me, uh, there's been no indication that they're going to hear anything from Judge Robinson today. There had been an expectation that they would hear something before the start of training camp, but training camp is now only two days away. So the Browns are just like everybody else. They're waiting. And one thing to keep in mind, if Watson is in fact suspended, he will still be able to participate in training camp under the CBA. Uh, but the Browns continue to wait. They don't know when a decision is going to come, and they don't know what that decision, Laura, is going to entail. Yeah, it's a definitely waiting game across the league as we wait to find out exactly what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. Thanks so much to Jake Trotter for joining us here. Coming up on NFL Live, Trevor Lawrence is at Jags camp, ready to go with a new coach, new targets, and new outlook. Hear why Mina thinks his life will be a lot easier this upcoming season. Plus, Devontae Adams had lots to say about his new QB, Derek Carr. And while he's usually putting DBs on skates, this time he's the one backpedaling. Find out why. Stay tuned. NFL Live continues on next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Ah, fresh start for Trevor Lawrence. The number one overall pick wowed us at times as a rookie. Also made some puzzling mistakes amidst a tumultuous year one under Urban Meyer. He's heading into training camp with a new regime. And Lawrence and his new head coach, Doug Peterson, both addressed the media this morning. Take a listen. As a team, I think we have a lot to prove. Just... Didn't have a great year last year, um, and I know the guys in this locker room um, 
are ready to, to prove some stuff this year. So having that motivation and then just, just having this new opportunity, you get a clean slate, everybody starts at the bottom and having a chance to work your way up. He's in the same frame of mind as well. He wants to take that next that next step and not only in his growth, but but obviously leading leading this football team. So um, today's day one of that and um, you know we're just uh, we're just excited to be on the grass with him and, and the rest of the team. So while some of Lawrence's rookie season was one to forget, he did improve under the Jaguars when they fired Urban Meyer mid-December. During his last four starts of the season, Lawrence increased his completion percentage QBR and threw for over 16 more yards per game. In the final game of the season, of course, that was the upset win over the Colts that eliminated Indy from playoff contention. Lawrence completed 72% of his passes with two touchdowns and no interceptions. That sort of gets lost in the story of that game. Everyone just talks about Indy, but Lawrence played well. So, Tim, what does Lawrence's tape show you, though, from last season? Well, it, it indicates what that graphic just showed. He did improve as the season went along. And, you know, what you see is the good's really good, the bad is really bad, mm. and then, you know, the, there are things that the guys around him can do better to help him. And so that's what I mean about the good being good. It's a double post look coming off of play action, two-on-one in the free safety. And this is a huge throw with the safety deep to drive this ball from the far Ooh. hash from outside the 45-yard line. Not many guys can do it like that. But here's the bad in the same game. It's a high-low, corner-flat combination. Corner sinks. Ten out of ten times, this ball goes to the back. And there's good opportunity for a run after the catch. Instead, it's a turnover and a critical point of the game. Then against Tennessee later in the season, it's a slow screen that's got a built-in shallow cross. He's reading the Mike linebacker. Right read, but this is what I mean about play around him. Ball's not caught through the hands of a receiver. Rashad Evans ends up picking it off. And that's what I mean about cleaning up the operation around him and so ultimately you know Doug Peterson I believe will come in and be able to say hey look there's a lot of good things let's keep that let's throw away some of these bad experiences because you know better learn from those and then let's work together to get the play around you to improve which I quite frankly think Doug Peterson will be able to do. Yeah, I agree. I think it kind of comes down to a few things. Getting Trevor to stop pressing. You highlighted the play where he passed up on the easy route in the flat. And then um, just giving him answers and mismatches. Answers so that, you know, he's confident that he doesn't have to get a first down in every play and he can throw to that player in the flat and through using whether it's RPOs or motion, making sure he has information and can make easier decisions. And then mismatches, uh, you know, these skill players, I would say, are not the best group in the NFL. But there's enough talent there to where Peterson can isolate some of those players and get them nice mismatches on linebackers. We know he's going to come and use more 12 personnel, of course. That was his hallmark in Philadelphia. And while, um, you know, Evan Ingram and um, the other... <laughs> Dan Arnold, who they traded for midseason, midseason, pardon me, last year and got hurt, are not Dallas Goddard and Zach Hurts. They do have mismatchability, especially uh, due to their athleticism. Travis Etienne is a mismatch nightmare. And if Peterson kind of find ways to get those players onto the field and give easier options for Trevor, I think he can make the most of it. I mean, Mina, only you are like pulling out those names like that. I got to be totally honest. <laughs> no, Dan Arnold. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why Tim, I forgot that. Tim, when you think about the players that they surrounded Trevor Lawrence with, I mean, they, they spent $195 million in guaranteed money on free agents this offseason. They try to go out and get some people, but how does that actually look when you look at it on the field? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, part of what, and I think Mina's alluding to this, look, Doug Peterson 
wants to, to create, you know, easy scripted completions. It's something that, you know, quite honestly, Andy Reid has done a tremendous job of doing throughout his career. And you look at the guys that have come, you know, from Andy Reid's tree. Is It's finding, you know, I don't want to say mindless, but like things that, that don't take a ton of thought to find completions. Yeah. And I think you can do that with people that are dangerous with the ball in their hands. As you mentioned, Evan Ingram or Travis Etienne, who remember, you know, was essentially a non-factor last year because of the injury. And so I do think that that does change them along with the money they've you know, spent elsewhere. I, I got to say, guys, just the footage there of Trevor Lawrence, like, in shorts. I realize he's just in shorts, but you just see him throwing out there, and you're like, man, this guy looks the part. You almost forget how talented he was in college coming out and why he was the number one overall pick. I bet we'll see that this season. Hey, let's get to Tyreek Hill. He appeared on First Take this morning and was candid about what made him take his talents to South Beach. Is it something we've heard before? Well, we'll tell you next on NFL Live. You don't want to miss this. We have a real treat for you on Saturday. The NFL's Back Together Saturday happening again with all 32 NFL teams practicing at their individual training campsites. We'll have coverage from every single one of them. 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on ESPN and then from 1 to 3 Eastern on ABC. Our crew gets back together. So Marcus, Dan, they'll be a part of it here as well as Adam Schefter and Phil Yates. Back Together Saturday also available on the ESPN app and NFL Network. Don't miss it. Diana Rossini is back here with us. And, Diana, in recent days, we saw a slew of names get sent to the physically unable to perform list. It's called the PUP list for short. What exactly does that mean for a player's availability to start the season, though? Yeah, the pup list has such a sweet name. I feel like it needs a tougher name considering what we're dealing with here, right? It's, for, it's, it's really for players who aren't healthy enough right now to participate in football activities. But they can still go to meetings. They can be around the team. They just can't participate in practice. And here's the thing. If they're able to make the roster by – or if they don't make the roster by August 30th, at least are unable to – get off that list, then they have to miss the first four games of the season. So the first four weeks. So most of these players, they're rehabbing. They're trying to do everything they can so they can get off the pup list so they're good to go. But these guys are still good to go for week one. Yeah, maybe it should be like the mean dog list. I'm trying to think of a scarier name. All right, let's look at yeah, some of the names. Too cute. <laughs> yeah, let's look at some of the names who are on the list. We start with the Baltimore Ravens, who have quite a few on there, Diana. Yeah, remember last year they had that those slew of players with ACL injuries. Well, these guys they're still recovering and rehabbing off those injuries, starting with running back J.K. Dobbins. Then he had Gus Edwards, and then remember Marcus Peters late in September he tore his ACL as well. Ronnie Stanley, Tyus Bowser. So Baltimore has a lot of players there on that pup list, so they're all working hard to try to get back. Then in Indy, they're all pro linebacker is on the pup list. After getting the back, uh, Darius Leonard had back surgery in June, and I spoke to some sources in Indy. They said he's progressing really well, so they feel good. He is going to be good to go. So no big concerns, but that was a surgery that he had said he had to get done. And then, of course, this is the big question, War. David Bakhtiari with the Packers, right? So we haven't seen him participate since he tore his ACL in late 2020. Everything I'd heard was that he felt good. He was healthy. He was going to start training camp off and, and be fine. And then he had a setback in rehab. So now they're starting left tackle 
is starting the season here, or at least starting training camp on the pup list. But again, we don't know how he's going to progress. Of course, they feel optimistic about it because he was so close. But for now, they're just going to have to wait and, and see how that knee holds up. Yeah, I want to stay on that because, I mean, as you think about what Bakhtiari means for that team, what he means for Aaron Rodgers, yeah. how big a deal would it be for Bakhtiari to have to miss more time this season? Well, any time after a player's taking an entire season off because of the injury and then you hear he's still not ready to come back, that's concerning. Now, they did hold up the offensive line really well without him last season, in part because you had Elton Jenkins slide over, play left tackle, was excellent when he was healthy. Yashua Nijman, man in the other side, or Lucas Patrick, who's now with uh, Chicago. But with Bakhtiari on the occasion, even out of the picture, if he is, um, suddenly that group gets a little thinner. You know, Jenkins is also on the pop list. And even if there's if there's any uncertainty around him, suddenly you're looking past Nijman on that roster, and I would be a little bit concerned if I was Green Bay. Uh I mean, I think you make a good point. Listen, this is one of the best quarterbacks in football. Now you're talking about his left tackle, you know, missed basically all of last year. Missed it again this year for a team that obviously has aspirations to win a Super Bowl. That's a big deal. That being said, I think because of the experience last year, and while I'll, I'll admit that it's not the same, you know, roster uh, to fill in for Bakhtiari, the fact that they were able to survive the way they did without him a year ago and with what I anticipate from Green Bay's offense going forward, which would be, uh, you know, a heavier dose of the run game with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and then Aaron's ability to play on schedule and make, you know, erase mistakes from for the guys up front. I actually am not as concerned as I think some people may be uh, with this situation as we see it right now with Bakhtiari on the pup to start training camp. Yeah, Tim, to your point, a great quarterback at an Aaron Rodgers level can make an offensive line that's got some holes in it look a lot better than some other quarterbacks could. I do want to just reiterate how good Bakhtiari's been. He led all tackles in pass block win rate from 2016 to 2020, so that's four years straight. That's really hard to do. Uh, okay, so to another guy who's not going to be there, this is why they may go to more of a run-heavy offense, to Tim's point. Devontae Adams is now with the Raiders, and all these receivers are out here just talking so much. Devontae Adams, the latest to do it, raising some eyebrows with some comments. Let's start with what happened over the weekend. Adams was on CBS Sports Radio and made a very interesting comparison between new and old quarterback. The shift like from that passer to Derek Carr and then, you know, just your acclimation to. I mean, anytime you change quarterbacks from, you know, a Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, you go, you know, Stabler to, to Rich Gannon or whoever you go to, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. And, you know, both are, are great players and, and great to be around. So I'm just enjoying that process and, and getting better myself, you know, trying to do as much as I can to, to help these guys go out there and win as many games as we can. Hmm. Okay, so that soundbite, naturally made headlines around the NFL this weekend. Adams was asked about it during his media availability yesterday, and he clarified his comments. Derek's career is Hall of Fame worthy, and, and why not? I mean, you know, people can, can say that about this guy or that guy. What I would say is, does he have the, the MVPs right now? You know, no. Does he, has he won a Super Bowl? Not yet. You know, that's obviously what we're, what we're chasing. But what I meant to say was, even if you go – Hall of, if you go even Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, it's an adjustment. You know, I mean, like, even if it is Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, there's going to be an adjustment. I wasn't saying Hall of Famer Aaron to Hall of Famer Derek. So I'm not retracting my statement at all. <laughs> 
Oh, the laughter at the end there kills me. Okay, the resumes of Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers aren't comparable, but Carr does have some impressive numbers of his own, so let's give him that credit. He has the third most passing yards in a player's first eight seasons in NFL history, trailing only Peyton Manning and Matt Ryan. Carr is also one of only four QBs to have at least 4,000 passing yards in each of the last four seasons. The others, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. So, Mina, it was really funny watching you uh, listen to Devontae Adams and, like, the whole retraction (laughs) of the statement that wasn't a retraction all that. But what do you make of Adams' comments? Well, well, first I'll say I think we should all be so lucky to have a friend like Devontae Adams, right? You know what I do? And her name is Laura Rutledge because she big-ups me that way, too. But you you really are a Hall of Famer, though, so I'm I'm not, like, just making that up. But anyway, go ahead, Mina. Um, I'll say this, you know, uh, obviously a comparison between Aaron Rodgers and any quarterback is not particularly generous, uh, but all Adams really has to do is compare Derek Carr to how Carr himself was playing a few years ago, because he has quietly made a lot of improvements a year, especially recently, I would say, uh, playing for the Raiders, you know, a big criticism of him, and I think a really fair one, is that uh, he checks down, he doesn't push the ball downfield, and in 2019, he ranks 32nd in the NFL in air yards per attempt. Last year, 11th, and, and that was with not a full season from Henry Ruggs. He has been markedly more aggressive, and they've had more cr- explosive plays as a result. Uh, the other critique that w- has come to mind, I guess, if he, over the course of his career is he's not a playmaker. He's not extending and creating the way some quarterbacks in this league do. But something I've noticed, him um, recently, and especially last season, playing behind you know a struggling offensive line, particularly on the right side, Derek Carr has been using his legs more, more and he has been more willing to create create. And I think, you know, if you look at statistics last year versus previous years, when he is on the move, he is throwing the football better. So I would say, you know, Derek Carr right now is firmly in that 10 to 15 range as a quarterback. I think now the pressure is on him to jump from five to 10 with the skill players he have. He has, but he has been underrated recently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that you, me and Devonte Adams would agree that he has not had a Hall of Fame career. <laughs> if we could all be honest with each other, he has not. But I do think, to your point about, hey, is he going to be better? Like, is he going to improve? Uh, I think that he is going mm-hmm. to improve. I think the s- situation around him is going to be better. I-, I, like many people, was really impressed uh, with how he led through the disaster of what last year was and played quite well through most of it as- also. And now, all of a sudden, you add one of the best receivers in football to go with a bunch of other really talented players on that offense. You pair him with Josh McDaniels, who's been one of the better play callers in the National Football League recently. And I think that there's no doubt room for improvement for a guy who, by the way, back in 2016, received MVP votes. So I'm not saying he's going to the (laughs) Hall of Fame, but I do think he's a really good player who's going to have really good players around him. Yeah, 57 career wins, 30 game-winning drives. Isn't that like the definition of clutch? He comes up big and gets it done. And I, I don't know, he's just one of those quarterbacks uh, we criticize a lot. And, and I think it's hard to believe sometimes when you hear that stat. But that's the truth. And Adams is just pumping his guy's t- tires. That's his best friend. Uh, he's doing what he should do. That's being a good teammate. You know, and it's interesting because Devontae Adams has had such an impact in Vegas already. We talk on the show all the time about his talent. He's the number one receiver in the league. Yet I talked to a player on the Raiders who told me that Adams has a way about himself during the workouts 
that he's almost like a rookie, meaning the enthusiasm, his eagerness to do the rep again, to get it right. So not only is he constantly trying to improve himself, but he's really lifting those around him. So this is what you get when you sign a player like Devonta Adams. Yeah, he costs a lot of money, but he's going to have a lot of effect on those players around him. Yeah, listen, um, I'm all for these guys just continuing to talk and pump people up, and maybe if it's at the expense of other guys, it makes for great entertainment. Along those lines, let's go to the other wide receiver who keeps talking about his new quarterback. And sometimes <laughs> maybe demeaning Patrick Mahomes a little bit, although he says he's not doing that. Tyreek Hill has doubled down on his love for Tua Tungavailoa, and Hill was on first take this morning right here on ESPN. He was asked why he chose Miami as his trade destination over the Jets. Here's what he said you know to he's not your typical gunslinger but you know like if you really like just pay attention to his game you know everything is spot on everything is pinpoint you know ball is on time you know his fundamentals are on point you know so I say it once and I say it, say it again you know Zach Zach Wilson is a dog but I really play with the most accurate quarterback in the NFL dog He's all about it. Uh, he's going to keep doing that. So, Mina, apparently that also needed to be said, <laughs> which is a play on words of his podcast. Need to be said. What is it? Needs to say it or needs to be said? I don't know. Anyway, you like yeah, You got it. It yeah, needed yeah. to be said. It needed to be said. Do you like that he keeps going to bat for Tua so publicly? I mean, at least this is better when he basically said, I think it was last week, it's hard to keep track. Oh, this is Tua's last chance in the NFL yeah. or uh, something along those lines. You know, the pressure is on him to produce this year. Um, I, I would say I don't entirely believe him. I, or maybe he believes himself right now, but Tyreek Hill, so much of his success in the NFL is not predicated just on accuracy. It is on those deep balls that come off of extended plays with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, if it's October and he's still catching like, I don't know, seven-yard slants off of RPOs and is, is Tua's not pushing the ball downfield, I think he'll change his tune. He does make a good point, however, about Tua's accuracy. I wouldn't say it's the best in the NFL, but it certainly is his strongest trait as a quarterback. Yeah, listen, from the receiver perspective, maybe he really feels that way. It is funny. We, we don't necessarily hear from Tua about all this, and, and knowing Tua, he is not a big guy that's a huge fan of people pumping him up this way, so it's going to be really uh, fascinating to see how he applies all of this positive love. Okay, we've got information here new on NFL Live. This just coming in. Justin Ross for the Chiefs has been placed on the IR. He's out for the year, according to Field Yates. Mina, I had the same reaction. The rookie wide receiver, you, you almost groan when you think about the disappointment for him, but also the disappointment for the Chiefs, who no longer yeah. have Tyreek Hill. What does this news mean? Yeah, I, I saw him as kind of the high upside play in the right. draft or after the draft, um, just given what we saw from Ross early in his career. The potential is so high. Unfortunately, it has been those injuries that ultimately did tank his draft stock. And it's unfortunate. I don't think the Chiefs needed him to produce this season, but it would have been nice to develop him over the course of the year and hopefully uh, ideally get him on later in the season. Yeah, we hope the best for Justin Ross's recovery. We got more coming your way here on NFL Live. Lamar Jackson has had to prove himself in the league since before he was even drafted, and the doubt just keeps on coming. But this time, it's within the NFL and an anonymous source. Stay tuned to find out what was said and what Tim thinks about it. We'll be right back. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. 
And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So Josh Allen arrived to Bill's practice. A loud ovation. Look at him running out right there to start camp. The highest of expectations in Buffalo. And those are the kind of expectations that bring out all types of fans. How about this Josh Allen doppelganger? I mean, guy's like basically the same. He's maybe slightly bigger, like right around the middle there, Mina. But what do you think about the doppelganger? You like the look? I mean, I, I are you sure that wasn't Josh Allen, Flora? <laughs> I, I, I didn't get a good look at him, but the mustache, come on. <laughs> the, the stash was good. He, he kind of looked to me like Josh Allen with like an inner tube around his waist. But anyway, let's read and react <laughs> to some stories around the NFL, starting with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. In a recent article in The Athletic, an unnamed defensive coordinator was quoted as saying the following about the Ravens QB. Quote, if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete and he's really a good football player but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback he'll be a one as a football player but not as a quarterback so many games come down to two minute and that's why they have a hard time advancing even though they're good on defense playoffs are tight you have to be able to throw the ball and he's just so inconsistent throwing the ball it's hit or miss Sort of makes you cringe. Tim, do you trust Lamar passing the ball in his hands to win the game? I do to an extent. Not at the same level as I would Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. But I also don't want to be in a situation where it appears I'm defending a statement which is ridiculous. If he wins the MVP 12 times, I'm pretty sure he's the number one quarterback. That being said, Listen, I think it is a fair criticism to say he needs to develop more as a passer if he wants to be talked about like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Yeah, great company there, to your point, Tim. All right, so let's go to Matt Rule talking about his quarterback situation. Baker Mayfield's there, Sam Darnold's there. He spoke this afternoon about that QB room. To me, my job is not to pick the starting quarterback. The players will do that with the way that they play. 
my job is to make sure that we have really good players in the room, which we now, you know, which we do in that room, and make sure that they have opportunities. And so, uh, you know, it'll it'll be a fun ride. And when we know, we know. Mina, who do you think should be the starting QB there? Well, first I'll say, I think Matt Rule is going to have to pick the starting quarterback. Uh, and I would go with Baker Mayfield based on what we've seen so far. Even last year, with all of his struggles, protecting the football, taking care of it, uh, he still performed, to my eye, better than Sam Darnold did in Carolina. And that was playing through injury. If you go back to just the season before or his rookie year, Baker has put together longer stretches of consistent play than Darnold. He just has to show that this summer, I think, to win the job. Let's go to Tennessee, where Malik Willis signed his rookie deal over the weekend as a quarterback. Remember, some of the news that made some headlines was Ryan Tannehill saying, hey, it's not my job to bring this guy along. Diana, what's the latest there? Any sense of what the quarterback room is like in Tennessee right now? Yeah, all is good between Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis. Malik put that to bed when I asked him directly, what would you think of Ryan's comments? He's like, I knew exactly what he meant. Ryan actually had him over for dinner. They talked it out. They laughed at it. No big deal. But what does this mean? First, let's start with Malik. He's young. He's a rookie. He's got lots to learn. But he's doing all the things he should be doing as a young quarterback. This is Ryan Tannehill's team. No one's taking that job away from him. He's already had a really good offseason. I've heard some really good things about him. And speaking of hearing some good things, Traylon Burks struggled a bit during rookie camp. Remember, Laura, I was down there. We were talking about it here on the show that maybe he was a little uh, overweight. They weren't too sure what was going on there. Everything I've heard is nothing but positive with Burks showing up for rookie camp. I just saw his college coach, Sam Pittman, from Arkansas at SEC Media Days, and he said, now mark my words, you better watch that Traylon Burks. He's going to be dynamic in the NFL. It is his college coach, but still. All right, Bill Belichick has been a man of mystery for the majority of his time in the NFL, and this offseason is no different. Tim Hasselbeck says there's zero confusion, though, regarding the Patriots. Is he right? We'll be right back with more NFL Live. I got my head out this sunroof. I'm blasting my favorite tunes. Glad you're with us on NFL Live. Mac Jones heading into a crucial year two after being one of the best rookie quarterbacks statistically despite trailing off a bit down the stretch. Josh McDaniels is gone. No one knows exactly who the Pats offensive coordinator will be, so who's handling the play calling? Here's what Plaxico Burris had to say about the uncertainty on the Patriots offensive staff. There's no way during the week Bill Belichick can be an offensive meeting and a defensive meeting at the same time. It's plain and simple. You have to have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator if you want to run an offense or defense. He can be the head coach, but he can't do both at the same time. Okay, so there might be a practical reason Belichick kept the coordinator spots open, but both Matt Patricia, remember, and Joe Judge have years left on their old contracts as head coaches, but any salary they'd get from the Patriots would count against the money they already had headed their way from both the Lions and the Giants. So smaller roles equal smaller costs to the Patriots. That could be an explanation Mm. for this and worth keeping in mind as we talk about it. But, Tim, what do you make of the whole situation? Yeah, that, that's called chess, uh, not checkers. Yeah. When you do that, listen, look, here's the deal. I, I don't think there is any question that inside that building, they know who's in charge of the offense. And no, Bill Belichick is not coordinating the offense and the defense. So it is either going to be Matt Patricia or Joe Judge. And I think that internally, that'll be clear. I think the bigger question ends up being is, Are they any good? Are they good at that role? Mm. Because they haven't been in that role, especially at this level. 
They're replacing Josh McDaniels, who was excellent in that role. And if you just looked around the league, whether it was the Bills or whether it was the 49ers, like those teams weren't knocking down the door to interview Matt Patricia or Joe Judge to be their offensive coordinator. So I think the jury's still out if they're going to be good at replacing uh, Josh McDaniels. I think that's exactly it, and it's, it's a far greater concern to me than the title thing is the fact, as you say, that um, neither of these guys have called plays at an NFL level. And, and if Tom Brady was the quarterback, that wouldn't be a concern. You know, we would assume it would be fine. Tom Brady runs that offense uh, anyways at this point in his career. But we're talking about a second-year quarterback in a scheme that's really uh, more likely than not going to continue evolving this season. Um, there has been talk about the Patriots implementing more of an outside zone run game and everything that flows from that. And I think when you look at a second-year quarterback, some new changes in offense, some new personnel, and coaches who have not called plays, it's a pretty murky picture even when you consider that Bill Belichick is the head coach. Yeah, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, you guys, have a combined three seasons of NFL coaching experience on offense, none of which came as a play caller. So it's important either way to think about it. All right, time for one more thing before we go. And today, why not? Let's check in on Dan Orlowski's Twitter account where he posted a picture of a glass of red wine with a sacrilegious three ice cubes in it. I don't know what to do with this guy. Like, Mina, he's a lost cause in so many ways when it comes to his food takes and apparently drink takes. But I, I'm, I'm at least anti the, the ice and the red wine. How do you feel, Mina? You know, normally I am. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it has been so hot lately that that I'm actually kind of looks good to me. Am I no. wrong? I mean, it's like 90 degrees Tim, here in Tim, Los Angeles. Tim, help me. I don't know. I mean, Tim? Did, did he take the picture before he put a straw in there, too? Like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> Guys, I mean, in a sippy cup, maybe? Dan, yeah, no, geez. Okay. Yeah, let's get him started on his cookie takes, too. Either way, we miss you, Dan. Enjoy that iced-up red wine. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live.